Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Zenra Investment and Success Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Hathcock. Um, for those who have been following, we like to present information for investors or would-be investors so that they can do investment real estate right. Um, I'm a big believer in buy and hold strategies of investing in real estate. That's what I do. Um, and I connect with a lot of real estate professionals that do the same thing. And so I find that I have a lot of contacts or have developed a lot of contacts around the country. And so I thought, why not get some of my real estate property management friends on the show, introduce themselves and their expertise. Uh, Cause sometimes I, I can see um, I'm, I'm actively involved in NARPM and some of the organizations. And um, so I get insights and in, in sometimes other property managers and other, uh, other uh, markets that I'm not in. And so I like to introduce them. Uh, but today I have Erica Lamb. She's with Welcome Home Real Estate and Property Manager. You know, I love that name, Welcome Home. That, how did you come up with that? I didn't. My husband did. Okay. It, it works. It's good. Great yeah. site. It's really clean, presentable. But you, you've got alphabet soup kind of after your name. You've done a lot of things in the real estate space uh, in the Reno market. Is that is that correct? It is true. Yeah. Um, but so you know, I want to introduce Erica. We've we've actually never met face to face, and so this is our first time. But we're we've been friends on Facebook a couple years, kind of on some of the same. Uh, broker property management groups. Um, and so I've, I've kind of taken notice of your career and the things that you're doing in the Reno area. And I thought, you know what, she needs to come on the show. It's, you, you run a tight ship of what I can tell. And so I want to get your story. Um, tell us a little about you. What, um, how long you've been in real estate? What got you in? Oh, I, um, <clears throat> I started in real estate, um, as far as my career goes, probably about 11 years ago, I came in as an accountant. So um, before real estate, I worked for corporations like Microsoft or Accenture. Oh, wow. And it was credit collections, the finance department. We did lots of work with spreadsheets. So I became an expert with Excel. Um, crunching numbers has always been kind of fun. And you're one um, of those. <laughs> I'm one of those. Yeah. And so when I got into real estate, um, I came in as an accountant, but I wasn't your type of accountant that who liked to sit in the corner. I'm a little bit of a social butterfly too. Okay. Uh, so um, I ended up getting into real estate, um, got my broker's license immediately because I had already had the college background and I had okay. the experience. And then after two years, I had intended on buying the brokerage in which I was working at, but the numbers didn't crunch properly. So oh, okay. I ended up starting my own brokerage. And um, so how did, how did you, uh, I mean, what, wh where was that connection? Cause you, you worked at Microsoft to sound, look like you have like an IT background. Is that right? So I friends, do. numbers. Uh, yeah. Family. In 1999, Right before the year 2000, I started going to technology schools, and um, I also um, was playing with websites. I've always um, had a, um, a dis I've always loved art, whether it was some time of 
some, some type of form of art that I did um, creatively with my hands, or if yeah. it was a website that I did. Um, so you, you can build websites? I used to do websites, and okay. our very first website that we had for our business, I did myself until we just got so busy that I can no longer manage it. So we just actually went to a new website in the past month. Oh, okay. So yeah. this, this site of yours is brand new then? It is brand new. It's yeah. welcomehm.com? Correct. Awesome. Correct. Um, but um, prior to that, when I was a teenager, um, my mother actually was a property manager for HUD complexes. Okay. So I would help her out in the office and then after school I would have the joy of painting apartments and cleaning them up and oh, dude. I don't think I ever got paid for any of that. <laughs> <laughs> so of course when my kids were teenagers they got recruited into the business and they didn't get paid for it. Oh, now dude. they're also property managers and realtors and brokers. Okay. Um, so property management was not new to you then. You kind of grew up with that understanding of leasing and tenants renting the land, you know, that the dynamic of the landlord owns the home. And so you've, you've kind of grown up with that. Uh, dynamic. Correct. Uh, have you always understood investment real estate in terms of, Hey, buy no. this thing, hold it. I mean, it, what? Um, no. So I actually didn't purchase my first home until after I became a property manager. Okay. And it wasn't until I started working with investors um, and that I started my own business that I started purchasing investments on my own. Okay. Then it became a goal to buy one to two houses a year every year. Nice. Um, we're still the type of family that will clip coupons and save money. And mm. so all of our extra money goes into reinvesting. Oh, so you remind me of my very, sister, truthfully. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're very frugal. Uh, we don't um, spend money unnecessarily. And I think that's one thing that our clients have always liked, too, is because when something comes up on our clients' properties, we try to do the same thing for them with regards to um, uh, using whatever resources we have to try to keep their cost for their repairs down. Very good. So you, you grew up in and around property management um, and you, you went off, do you have a college degree and stuff like that? Uh, my degrees are all in accounting. Okay, so you got the accounting background, went into IT. Um, how old were you when you actually went into real estate itself? I was, good question. 36, 37. Okay. So you, you had a sort of uh, a time period within the IT industry. Bridge that gap. What, what made you leave IT in favor of real estate? Okay. So I didn't necessarily, I loved finance, the corporate finance for real estate. Okay. Prior to that, I did IT. Prior to oh, that, I, I did customer service. I actually never stayed in an industry longer than three years because I would get so bored with it. Okay. Um, I would traditionally, I would come into um, some type of a job or an industry 
I would pick it up, I would learn it, I would clean it up, and then I would move on to something else. Because <laughs> once it was clean, it was no longer challenging. Okay. Okay, with real estate, it's constantly evolving and changing and never boring. It's the longest I've ever stayed in any one particular industry. So you like to see how things work, see, see the dynamic, fix it, repair it, and then it's... Yep. You lose that puzzle aspect of the Correct. curve. And in real estate, you have that every single day. You know, I, I, I truthfully, I think uh, the more brokers or, you know, owners of property management companies specifically that I talk to, I, I'd say we all have that in common. Yeah. <laughs> you you know, if like there's like that addiction to problem solving. Uh, hey, there's that challenge that's unique. I've never seen that before. How do you, what tools do you gather and so yep. that? Um, so, you know, cleaning houses with your mom when you're young, you know, having that gap, you have, uh, 36, you're getting into real estate. I mean, were, were you kind of going full circle with that or, um, or was it a brand new thought like, Hey, I'm going to go for real estate. Um, no, I, I actually didn't plan to get into real estate. Okay. I, as a, I came in as a an accountant. Okay, I see. Um, for a real estate firm, and okay. so after my severance with Microsoft, because my entire department had relocated to Manila, Eef. which I could have gone, but I chose not to. Yeah. Um, and so as I was submitting resumes for various different companies, one of them was a property management company, which I actually submitted my resume for accidentally because it didn't oh. meet my pay requirement. Okay. But then after I had my two hour interview with the broker and we hit it off really well, he ended up matching um, or increasing the pay up to what my minimum requirement was for the job. Yeah. So, did you, you came in at like a bookkeeper? Is that? I did. Was that your first role? Okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of folks I talked to, you know, they, you know, their parents own the company and whatever, or is a lot of people come into property management by accident. So it's, that's always interesting to find that out. Uh, but you came in on the bookkeeping level. Uh, were, did you find property management bookkeeping a little different than what you expected? Oh yeah, it was completely different. And, okay. and there's no documentation on how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so the three-way trust accounting, there, there's no type of classes or anything to teach it. Yep. And if something's not right, and of course I came into a company where none of it was right. Oh dang. It all had to be cleaned up. And that broker had a past bookkeeper who had done embezzlement Ooh. and then their prior property management software had crashed shortly after that person had been um, arrested oh. so there was 10 years of cleanup to do oh man so i long story short i i had a crash course myself in trust accounting um I got similar. I got my broker's license, did all the schooling in in Arizona. It's like 90 hours schooling, uh, school test, state test, the whole nine yards. And, and I came into a family owned business. Um, so a lot of things were set, but in terms of my understanding of mm -hmm. accounting, 
Um, I got my broker license. I bought the company for my father-in-law. Uh, he went away. I had a bookkeeper. I got audited by the department of real estate within like a month. Um, they brought me into the back room was like, Hey, you know, bring, bring your, your bank reconciliations, your bank statements, um, and, uh, give us these totals, run this report, this report. Yes, sir. You know, threw it on the table. Hey, Russ, we got bad news for you. Um, we're showing you, you know, like six figures off on your numbers. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, what do you mean? I, uh, we reconcile every month. Well, sorry to tell you something's wrong. So I got, I said, you know, let me get my bookkeeper. No, Russ, you're the broker. You, you need to sit and answer this. Um, you know what? I have no clue what you're talking about, which is to say, I'm telling you, no one prepared me for the accounting side of property management. You know, Mr. Auditor, let me, let me get my accountant. Maybe he can uh, answer some, no, 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 no. You're the broker. You're in the hot seat. You need to answer these questions. And I was sweating bullets. I mean, I, I was not, nothing in my licensing prepared me for the line of questioning they gave me. So when you tell me that you had, t I mean, so I, I cleaned it up and it was like, the, actually for my story, it turns out that, you know, the bank statement dates are begin first of month, 31st, and the reports they had asked for were mid-month reports. So, you know, the numbers just didn't jive just because the dates weren't lined up in my reports. Fix that, everything is fine. Um, which by the way, my bookkeeper didn't know the answers. My accountant didn't know the answers. Department of Real Estate grilling me, uh, you know, ready to take away my license. Um, the auditors didn't catch that there was the discrepancy between the dates on these reports, but I went to NARPM. Mike Mumford, shout out to Mike Mumford. He saved my hide. Uh, he was like, Russ, this is simple. These dates don't line up. Line them up. Everything is fine. So that's my story. But anyway, 10 years of cleanup is... Oh, I, I've had my, my share of accounting numbers. Oh, um, well, I mean, how long did that take you? I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> it took about 10 months. Oh. It took 10 months. And the, the broker of that um, brokerage actually had to take a second out on his house to cover all the missing funds. Oh, man. But you, but you had the numbers and you had the cleanup of getting all those ledgers, security deposits, yeah where they needed to be yeah. what, what software were you guys using um when i first came in they were using yardy then mm. they transferred over to rent manager okay um, rent manager um their accounting reports were incredible really incredible um but at the time rent manager had too many faults it was just too mm. slow Okay. We would be processing rents on the first of the month and it would take three minutes to put in one rental check Oh, okay. It's becoming frustrating. So um, when I started my own company, we went with that folio. Yeah, I, I use that folio as well. Um, so you you started with a, a firm, kind of on a fluke, came in the bookkeeping level. How long did you work there? Four years. Four years, and then you decided that hey, this was your cup of tea. Yeah. Um. So. Did, were you bookkeeping that whole time or did, were you a little of everything? Um, I was probably just bookkeeping for the first year. Okay. Um, after that, I was, 
I started helping out with everything. I took over managing the office, being the office manager, in addition to being the account and bookkeeper. And then also during that time, I started doing real estate sales. Okay. So that was your gateway and you came in. At what point did you decide like, hey, I, I want my own business? That um, doing the that. broker at that time, um, had a very low touch approach to managing properties. Okay. Um, the care and maintenance of homes didn't meet what I would expect okay. um, a broker to do. And so eventually I just decided I need to be able to make these decisions if I'm going to sleep better at night. And yeah. I want to know if these homes are taken care of. I'm going to have to be able to go out on my own to do that. So you needed to be empowered to start running the show how you felt was. Make the decisions. Correct. Okay. Well, good for you. So how, and, and that's, and then that's where welcome home real estate and property management came from. Correct. And you've been in business ever since then. Correct. Yeah. So when we started the business, our intention was only to do property management. Okay. So our corporate name is Welcome Home Property Management and Investments Incorporated. Oh, I see. Um, shortly after, I want to say within two months, Tesla announced that they were going to build the world's largest battery factory in the Reno area. Okay. And our real estate market exploded with investors moving into this region. And so I became a realtor um, a few months later, and I found that half of my activities were um, working with investors on purchasing investment homes that we would end up managing. Okay. And our, our investment focus in helping clients has been completely spreadsheet focused. Mm. Uh, so it's based upon the numbers and how the numbers crunch. So when we go to look at purchasing rental investments, we look at um, the return on investment, the cap rates, and which properties are going to have the lowest um, vacancy rate um, that will also bring in the highest rents that are going to be a nice um, tight property that's going to have the least amount of maintenance issues. So there's a lot that we take into consideration. Myself and my daughter are both certified real estate analysts now. Nice. Um, and, and that's a service you perform for your investor clients. So you're, right. you shop the deals, you crunch the numbers, you give them the green light. Hey, put your down payment. You're going to make this return on investment. Correct. Manage it. And then you sell it on the back end as well. If they're Correct. ready to cash out. Nice. Did you to uh, become part of any like investor clubs like you know like bigger pockets you can go on there get calculators i mean or was this you, just all your own homework i mean we're in any it's, it's my own spreadsheets yeah no it's all my own i i share my spreadsheets with my clients but okay. um no it's it's just something that i've put together on my own nice with with excel with Excel, yeah, and sometimes I'll be comparing 50 homes all at once, so you can only do that with Excel. If you're crunching all of those, I mean, I could pull out a calculator and figure out how to pull up the return and the cap rate uh -huh. and an MRI amortization chart on a calculator. However, 
if you're trying to compare and contrast 50 different houses and the goal is to get it down to the top five, you're only gonna be able to do that with Excel. Yeah. And what most of my clients have come back and said is they typically end up, because I'm very conservative when I run the numbers. For mm -hmm. instance, when a typical cap rate, if you look at what the commercial agents do, they'll put like a 5% vacancy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, really? You're really going to have a property that's going to be vacant for five days? Give me a break. <laughs> you can't turn it over that fast. Contractors are too busy. You've yep. got to come up with a true vacancy rate. You've got to budget um, for actual real maintenance, for management fees, for leasing fees, which when most agents run the cap rates, they don't take into consideration leasing fees. They don't take into consideration a real vacancy rate or a real amount that they're going to be expected to pay for utilities, for maintenance, for repairs. And um, so ours have always been pretty conservative. And um, I think my clients have liked that. Um, when I quote rents, I try to quote the conservative rental amount instead of what I think we can actually get for the property. So we'll normally list it for rent about a hundred to two hundred dollars more than what we quote the client. Mm. Um, and so when they're actually getting their monthly returns, they're always pleasant. So we try to, um, we, 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 we give conservative expectations, but we always try to provide better than what we tell them to expect. So I'm trying to, I was almost had a phrase on the tip of my tongue. What is it? Plan for the worst and then hope for the best. It's kind of similar. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you know, rents could be a thousand, but you know what, for the sake of our spreadsheet, we'll do nine fifty. Correct. Um, expenses could be a thousand bucks, but we're going to do the expenses at like 1100. So just in case there's an overage. So you get that spread. So even though, um, you know, you're looking at the income on a minimal side, expenses more on a max side that way, but you still have that uh, ROI in between. But then when you get the real numbers, everyone's like, Hey, um, blew our expectations. Right. Okay. They do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, I think that's a great strategy, especially when dealing with the unknowns, uh, rent fluctuations, uh, and, and in fact, that's something I, I typically do myself, uh, you know, get potential new client like, Hey Russ, what's the rent going to be? Well, it, you know, I mean, and, and a lot of folks have do this like, Hey, Hey client, it could be 2000 bucks rent for per month. And then, then they list it and it sits there for three months. Cause it doesn't, you know I mean? People like right. to use those high numbers, but uh, it's, I, 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 uh, I think it's much wiser to use the, uh, the conservative numbers too. That way there's a better yeah. expectation. It does. It does also weed out some particular clients who may not be a good fit for us mm -hmm. because if you have somebody who says, Hey, that cash flow isn't good enough for me. And granted if, if, if I get those type of clients and they tell me, well, this cash flow isn't good enough, I know that there's a couple of things. So I know that there's a possibility they may always try to negotiate every single repair for the lowest possible price, which does not always produce the best results. Yep. 
Um, as rents do decrease, um, maybe if a tenant moves out in the middle of winter uh, for reasons that we can't control because we don't have leases end at that time. Um, but I do know that that could become a situation where an owner would not be satisfied. Um, and so, and then we try to avoid working with clients who are going to spend a hundred dollars in order to chase ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Does, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, makes perfect sense to me. So tell me, um, so how, how, in terms of your own investment portfolio, how, how many homes do you currently own? We're probably around seven right now. Okay. Yeah. And is that slowed down or is the market looking good for you? It's kind of interesting because interest rates are really, really low. So it's quite tempting. Yeah. Um, however, because of the whole COVID and the pandemic, we have found that we've been so busy with property management and just trying to constantly change our policies in a way that we're doing things so that we can continue to work even through the pandemic, mm -hmm. that we're really not having the time this year to do investments like we normally would. Yeah. Um, we did um, buy an office this year and um, I did already buy an, a house this year. Nice. That was a 1031 exchange, so I feel like it doesn't really count. <laughs> it was a trade up though, but um, it doesn't really feel like it counts. Um, and so this year, my focus is just to try to readjust everything and keep that property management business working as smoothly as possible, even though we've got a pandemic going. Yeah. Um, so do you subscribe to any particular investment mindset? I mean, I'm I, more, cause I'm more of like a buy and hold, but do you do fix and flips, uh, wholesaling? Do you do anything like that? Mm, we do not do wholesaling. Okay. Matter of fact, there is no real wholesaling in our, in, at least not in our area. People have come to me and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> it probably won't work out. There's going to be a lot of time invested, no real return. Um, we have done some fix and flips. Okay. Um, we just did one for a client earlier this year, not one that I've done myself. Um, anything where majority of the time we do fix and flips, majority of the time it's going to be we fix it in order to flip it into a rental. Nice. And so we've done a lot of those um, for, for clients and for ourselves. Um, and those typically end up being the ones with the best returns yeah. because you're getting it at the better price. Um, but it does take a lot more work. It used to be in the past we could flip those within a three month period and now it can take about six months just because contractors are so busy. Oh, wow. We have a shortage of contractors in our area. Oh, wow. And what, how, how big is the population in the Reno area? That's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps going up, so I don't know where it's at right now. Yeah, I mean, how active is the market in Reno? Um, 
So we have less than one month of real estate inventory of homes listed for sale on the market. Okay. Up in Lake Tahoe, the median price is 1.2 million mm. and houses typically aren't even on the market for 72 hours before they go into contract. Whoa. Houses. Uh, and so uh, Lake Tahoe is part of your territory, is that right? It is. Nice. It is. And so um, down in the valley in the Reno area, the median price has just gone up to 435000 for Reno and Sparks. And Reno alone is about 460000 wow. um, Sellers are getting asking price, if not more. And in the past month, I put four houses on the market for sale. And I typically would get an average of six offers or more. Wow. Wow. So how many deals a year are you doing currently? On average in the past, I've done about 22 to 24 sales a year. Okay. Very good. And so you're, and we kind of touched on this initially, but and you're, you're pretty active in the, the realtor community within Reno. Can you tell me about the positions that you have hold or currently hold? Yeah. So I'm currently the president of the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. I am a member of the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors as my main association. And then I also have um, a membership with Incline Village uh, Realtor Association. I am a board of director for Nevada Realtors. I'm on a global committee for Nevada Realtors and on the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors, I have been a chair for the education committee in the past. I've been a treasurer, president-elect. I am a board of director. And I have probably been on about seven committees as well. And then on the NAR level, on NAR, I am a committee member for the Global Business Alliance. Um, a lot of my clients are from out of the country or are foreign investors. Mm -hmm. um, it's a particular niche that we have and working with a foreign investor does have a lot of additional um, tax challenges that mm -hmm. a property manager and that foreign investor have to deal with. Oh yeah. Um, so that's something that I'm very versed in that I can help them out with and I can help them before they have to start dealing with those tax consequences early on. Wow. Uh, let's see. I'm also yeah. a member of NARPM, which is yeah. National Association of Residential Property Managers. I'm currently, this is my second year as the regional RVP ambassador for the Southwest region. Okay. And then I started the Northern Nevada NARPM chapter in 2013, and I was the chapter president for two and a half years. Wow, very good. That's amazing. I, I mean, because so I, I share some of these, uh, you know, attributes as well, but you you blow me out of the water. You, you've been on everything. <laughs> um, I think Next year, I'll be the immediate past president, but I'll, I'll probably take a break for a year or two. You know, I'm, I'm actually doing that this, this year. Um, I've been on the NARPM board here in Phoenix, the local uh, realtor association board. And <laughs> I'm looking at 2021 as my, my uh, 
take a breath here. <laughs> the only thing that probably will stop me from being in leadership is there are so many legislative issues that are taking place. Yeah. Um, we're, uh, we're constantly in some type of dealing with some type of lobbying, which we've done, I've done lobbying, uh, for, um, Nevada Realtors, NAR, and NARPM. Um, I've got, been in Washington, D.C. for both NARPM and for Nevada Realtors. Um, and then we've done lobbying in Carson City and Las Vegas in the Reno area. So there's just, there's so much going on right now. Yeah, what, what would you say is the biggest challenge you're facing right now? Um, eviction moratoriums. Yep. Um, of course, on the federal level and then state level. On a state level, Nevada Realtors was able to negotiate with um, the Attorney General for our state and multiple judges and multiple um, tenant groups to start to expire the Nevada eviction moratorium, which kind of started this past month. Um, but definitely in September, in September, we will be able to start charging late fees and doing evictions for tenants who are delinquent on rent. Of course, that could change if the CARES Act is extended for some, for mm -hmm. some. Um, but then there's also now required, possible required mediation, which can delay the eviction process for another 30 days in our state. Mm. And then down in Clark County, which is Las Vegas, everybody knows Las Vegas. Yeah. In Las Vegas, they have just made it to where you can no longer discriminate based upon um, source of income. Mm. So if somebody's income is unemployment, and as we know, unemployment's a temporary source of income, yeah. you can't discriminate against that. Of course, that's also going to protect Section 8 and other other avenues of income. And then they're also looking at, you cannot use eviction due to COVID mm. um, as a reason to decline. Oh, okay. And those are, and so those are a number of state issues that you're working they're, on? They're currently Clark County. Oh, okay. Once it starts in Clark County, they try to work their way up the state to Reno. Oh, and I then see. once it happens in Reno, it becomes a statewide type of thing. So okay. it's a domino effect. So there, there's some, there's some politics okay. that you're trying to get ahead of on that. <laughs> we start early on. So we have a group of property managers that are also NARPA members and um, Nevada Realtor members that are coming together to try to see what we can do. It, it, it has brought our entire state together. Yeah. Um, so we all work together. And what's really neat about it, though, is all of our relationships, all of our relations have developed, not necessarily through NARPM, but through our realtor organizations. Yeah. And we've got about 20,000 realtors in the state of Nevada. You know, I would love to see a day where the National Association of Realtors and NARPM maybe get a little more conjoined when it comes to battling some of these uh, larger issues. We, it's like these two camps doing their own thing. And it's like, there's people like you and I, that are in between trying to jockey, whichever can advance the ball further for property management. Do you know what stops that? Uh, I don't. It's NARPM. Oh, okay. It's because NARPM allows 
non-licensed property uh, managers oh, to become members. Okay. If they changed it to where in order to be a NARPA member, you just had to be licensed, mm -hmm. then NAR would welcome NARPA in with open arms. Interesting. I did not know that, and I appreciate that. That is what in. it is. Yeah. <laughs> but a part of NARPA's membership comes from unlicensed property managers because in some states, you don't have to be licensed in order to be a property manager. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what so do you do any business in Las Vegas, or that's just more on the political side? Um, I do leadership meetings in Las Vegas, okay. but I don't have any investments. I do have a lot of friends who are brokers um, that are maybe just do sales or just do property management or do both that are down yeah. in Las Vegas area yeah. that I'm, I'm very good friends with, but I love them. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, you know, I'm kind of running out of steam. What, what any nuggets of wisdom that you would like to share with investors or would be investors of how to get into this and, you know, how to play their cards, right. Um, anything, anything you would like to say to them? Yeah. I find the biggest mistake that investors make is they try to buy the cheapest house. Yep. It is the biggest mistake they make. Another big mistake that investors make is they don't connect with a property manager before they connect with a realtor. Mm -hmm. A realtor is going to quote them whatever they think that investor wants to hear for rent. Yep. And then they come see a property manager afterwards to get it leased out and find out it's going to lease out for $400 less than what they were quoted. Yep. And then they say, no, this is what my realtor told me, put it on the market for this rate. And then it sits on the market for two, three months because they quoted them the wrong rate. So I find those are the two biggest mistakes that investors make, whether they're entry level or even um, seasoned. And then lots of investors focus a lot on what they read. Yeah instead of what the licensed professional recommends to them. Yeah, and I agree with that because I think sometimes people, they like that spreadsheet, like, Hey, that's what, you know, so-and-so realtor, whatever, you know, that's what Zillow said. I mean, they're looking at that number and, and sometimes that number could have been accurate two months ago. Yeah. And I think sometimes people forget that real estate's very fluid you know, that repair, like, hey, I shouldn't have to pay 200 bucks for the handyman because the part was only $10. Well, you have to realize there, it's a fluid. I mean, someone right. had to drive there. They had to go to the part store. They had to store, you know what I mean? It's like, there's a lot more dynamic sometimes. And I, so I appreciate you spelling out, like, be dynamic, be fluid and, and listen to uh, your property manager. Yeah. Um, if you want to share, I know this is a podcast, but I could show this with you. I'm going to share my screen. Okay. And just show you what I do. Well, and, uh, oh, it's a, disabled. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure what, you know what we could so, do. 
An investor, I would say they, they should not be purchasing a house or putting an offer on a house unless they know for sure that that property is going to be something that's going to be able to at least break even or cash flow or give them equity, whatever their goal is. Yeah. Because you got three different types of investors. You have your investor who wants cash flow. You have the investor who's looking for equity. And then you have that investor who's looking for a combination of both. Yep. So you have to find out in advance what they're looking for. How much cash flow are they expecting? Are they doing a loan? And you take all of these things into consideration to find out first, is your market going to work for them? Because it may not. If yep. you're in a market that's focused on equity and they're focused on cash flow, they're in the wrong area. Yep. If you're in an area, if you have an investor who's looking for equity and they're in a high cash flow area, it probably won't work. Yeah. And and then there's also um, are they looking for long term stability, um, or are they looking for something that might even be a future retirement property for them? There's so many different variables out there. Yeah. So these are things that they should be discussing with their property manager um, slash realtor. And I always say that your best um, guide to help you is going to be a broker who is a property manager and a realtor. Nice. If you send me the link, um, I'll post that in the comments section of, uh, of the podcast. So, um, you know, whatever that is, we can, we can put it in there and, and people could still click on it. Um, Erica, how do investors get a hold of you? Anyone that wants to connect with you and, you know, what's the best way to contact you? Probably through our website. Just go out there and fill out the form. It'll come to me. Okay. Yeah. Welcomehm.com or give us a call. Our phone number's out there. If they call our main office number and they hit extension one, it comes to me. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, Erica, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your expertise. Um, I appreciate you and thank you so much. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, you know, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. So now can I ask you questions? Uh, are, you know, yeah, we're still recording. So what uh, do you, okay, it's up to you if you want to turn it off. Um, I want to ask you about your market. Okay. Um, you know, let, we'll, uh, yeah, let, we'll, let's go ahead and conclude this because um, okay. I want this to be about you and your market. So um, everyone, if you're listening, contact Erica, the Reno, um, Lake Tahoe area. She's the expert there. Thanks for listening. Uh, have a nice day. Thank you. Okay. So I... I'm trying to f find, I believe I, 